Hello, and welcome to A Ghost in the Magazine. I'm Steph. And I'm Elle. And if you listened to the last episode, then you know that we were planning on continuing one month this week. But sadly, we had to sort of derail that train and push it to next week because our beloved gothic fairy godmother Anne Rice, sweet, beautiful soul, left this earth at 80 years old and a bitch was devastated. So we decided to take this episode and revisit Anne because we talk about her a lot on this podcast. As much as Daddy Cage is king here, Anne Rice is queen. Mm-hmm. And I can't promise I'm not going to weep dramatically <laughs> during this episode, especially since I've been having a bad time at life. So <laughs> oh, we'll be okay. We'll get through it. Why don't we like, so for me, I want to, I don't want to just like dwell on the sad parts. Yes, we're losing someone who is like actively still creating great shit and that, you know, that's a huge loss, but I want to go like circle back and like celebrate the oddness, the strangeness, the wonderfulness that was Anne Rice's work. Um, I'm going to read, Steph never read the Mayfair trilogy, which is like, a love just like a complete love hate for me I just I love it but it makes me so mad and I just like I'm I'm looking through the Wikipedia synopsis of it and I just want to read a uh, paragraph for Steph and just get her reaction so okay Lasher's plan comes to fruition at the end of the witching hour when he invades Rowan's unborn fetus and is reborn the baby is genetically a non-human ancient species species called the Taltos, which is, quote, the superhuman result of the crossbreeding of two human witches who possess an extra chromosome, unquote. The infant Lasher immediately grows to adulthood, and Publishers Weekly describes this creature as, quote, almost a monster capable of beastly behavior fueled by an extraordinary sex drive, unquote. He rapes Rowan, his mother, in this scenario, repeatedly in Lasher to create more Taltos, But the attempts end in violent miscarriages. He also rapes her entire family, like hoping that he can reproduce with this whole line of Mayfairs. Uh, I'm just adding that one. And and then Rowan finally conceives and gives birth to Ataltos' daughter, Emileth, but ultimately kills her, which is the the right thing in that, unfortunately. Michael, her disgusting piece of shit spouse, fathers another Taltos with Rowan's cousin Mona Mayfair, a daughter she names Morgan and Taltos. The ungodly sound that just came out, the, and you didn't see it because you were looking, but the the quickness with which I stopped smiling after you started reading was unnatural. And I remember seeing the books Lasher and Taltos, and always saying, "I'm gonna read those someday." The hot damn! I Do had it. no idea. I had no idea. Well, now I have to. I'm going to read everything that she's ever written Mm -hmm. because I owe that to her. You know, I wish I would have done it when I had the flexibility of being a 14 year old and no time, like nothing on my agenda except going to school, eating and reading. But here I am, 31, and that's what we're going to do here. And you said, you said Mona Mayfair. And I yep. just want to, I just, <laughs> this is embarrassing, but I'm going to share it with the internet. And I already told Elle, 
about this, but the reason I never read the uh, Mayfair witches is because I was jealous of Mona Mayfair, not because I wanted to be her. I don't. I would <laughs> never choose that I, life, even without knowing that. Um, I just wouldn't choose that for myself. Her family life seemed really fucked up in general, like just in, on a brief surface level, but she is in because I know that the Mayfair Witches Cross with Vampire Chronicles in various books. Mm-hmm. But where she got me fucked up was she stole my literary boyfriend, Tarquin Blackwood, and Blackwood Farms, which is hands down right underneath Memnook the Devil for me. Blackwood Farms is incredible, but it's because Quinn Blackwood is this, he was literally. I don't even think he was a musician and he did some off the wall shit, but he very much embodied the essence of every like high school band guy that I had a crush on. He just seemed like that. And the fact that he comes in contact with Lestat and just, but she, alas, (laughs) she stole him. And so I was like, well, fuck you. That's how teenagers think. Teenagers who are in love with boys. unfortunately but one thing I can say is that Anne Rice she did this exceptionally well she Mm -hmm. built these characters with so many deep layers Mm -hmm. and all the the relationships yes like I hate uh I don't hate Mona because I feel like you know when you read the Mayfair trilogy you might have a different opinion I feel like she was abused 31 yeah I'm a that, too. Now, so. that too uh she was uh definitely like in my opinion I I actually kind of like stepped away from Anne Rice's work a little bit after I read those because I thought it was yikes the way she was treated like an adult when she was a child like she was seducing her uncle which is fucked like her uncle raped her that was a child that's disgusting and you know whatever that choice was I'm not here I'm not going to get into that now but like I think the only character I can say that I hate more than Michael is like Angel Claire from Tessa the Durbervilles and I fucking hate Angel Claire with like the fiery passion of a thousand sons I think he's the only one grosser than Michael Michael is disgusting and the thing is is you grow to hate Michael at least I did it was this three book trilogy and they're Anne Rice book they're books they're thick boys And you start out, he's just like a boring white dude. You just picture him as like any other boring dude. It's interesting that his name is Michael because I have been plagued by bad Michaels in my life. Literally now I see it as a warning sign. Men, I mean, I don't have Tinder right now because men are trash to me right now. But if your name is Michael, I will swipe left. I don't care how (laughs) good you look. I don't care what your job is. I won't do it. Any version of like a Spanish version, a German version. No. Miguel, absolutely not. No. <laughs> so I think that's funny. <laughs> Fair. Oh my gosh. Oh, there's just, yeah. The, but the way that she, every character in that, every character in the Vampire Chronicles, like you have All an opinion. Them. You Mm -hmm. have an opinion one way or another, even if you, she just, she's so good with character building. Um, And world building, like, mm -hmm. and, and, and lore building. And this Mm -hmm. is shit that we eat up. This is stuff that we live for. You, especially in the early episodes of this podcast, you will frequently hear Elle go, 
what is what do you say like what is the myth here like what is the um yeah. what's the yeah. rules what are the what's the lore here what's like i don't lore? get it what yeah. are the rules and she has very defined rules and Lestat breaks all of them and i <laughs> love him for it. he's let's talk about Lestat for a minute because he's the brat prince of the savage <laughs> garden he is the ultimate the ultimate character and he just finds himself in all of these characters' lives. Mm-hmm. And this, okay, so the thing that really got me, and this probably lends to like what you're saying about how she wrote Mona Mayfair. A lot of the choices that Anne Rice made were based on her life. Mm. And like, I think it was Interview with a Vampire that she said, you know, parts of that are really real and they came from my childhood and I think it's interesting because that started off as just a short story Mm -hmm. and then she turned that shit into a full-length novel that literally blew everybody's faces off and she means business okay she's a tiny little New Orleans woman with so much spirit inside of her and she set out to make her books works of art her influences name a few off dickens wolf john milton ernest hemingway <laughs> william shakespeare the bronte sisters jean paul sartre henry james arthur conan doyle h Ryder haggard and stephen king of course stephen king and we, mm-hmm. <laughs> we definitely gushed over that a little bit but she said she had every intention for her work to stand next to those as classic American literature and people laughed at her for it because of the nature of her writing but who says that vampires can't be gothic sexy and classic who said and those rules she broke Mm -hmm. she demolished those nobody can tell Anne Rice anything yeah I think well the thing about Anne Rice is like I like a lot of shitty books though too so it's like I I always just like second guess my taste but like I will I can just like get so engrossed in her books and just it's like it's like really like you said it's so complete everything it just like Mm -hmm. pulls you in so much and you get so emotionally um invested in the story and the characters and the way things turn out I know you know Steph had Quinn Blackwood I had uh I had Louis. Louis was my because he's the ultimate emo boy. It's true. And uh, I didn't read that till I was an adult either. (laughs) And you were like, oh, hot damn. Yeah. (laughs) And Brad Pitt played him so well. Like, he did. I couldn't imagine anybody else playing Louis. And like, I did it. I actually like didn't want like anything about that movie because I was so pissed at the casting of Lestat that I like ha- wanted to hate the whole movie, but I couldn't. But you can't. You yeah, can't. Yeah. And even Tom Cruise as Lestat, even though all you have to do is start listening to this podcast and know we normally don't do that. It's still a choice that doesn't kill the movie mm-hmm. at all. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, I think, God, that's like probably one of my favorite like movies to revisit around you know in October so yes and I I have both that one and Queen of the Damned on DVD mm-hmm. and I'm literally going to fire those up <laughs> took myself into sleep tonight you know when I I found out about this on a after a long drive home from my parents house um they had a 
they had a Christmas party this weekend. And so I drove five, almost five and a half hours to come home to Miami. And I got in my apartment, I laid down and I opened my phone and I follow her on Facebook. I live by her updates because I love her. She posts fucking novels as her Facebook status is. And she always addresses it people of the page and every time I'm like that's me I'm present what do you need to tell me today queen and it was her son Christopher letting everybody know that she had passed from complications to a stroke so I immediately started crying and I texted uh our lovely day and I was like because I had texted so other things and I was like and Anne Rice died And I went on Twitter and I saw that he had already tweeted from our magazine page. And I was like, you already know. (laughs) I texted Elle and then my sister actually tagged me in it because she knows how hard I ride for Anne. Mm -hmm. And she texted it to me and I sent her a video of myself, (laughs) like my face covered in tears, holding my little Sally doll. And I was like, I'm okay. (laughs) I'm okay. And she was like, let's go to her celebration of life next year. We've never been to New Orleans together. And I was like, please, because all I can think about in that moment was I'm never going to get to go to a vampire ball in October with Anne there. And then the next thought was she's never going to get to see the Vampire Chronicles TV show because someone bought the rights to it and her and her son have been working diligently on it and it's something I literally have been waiting for since I was 14 for someone to do this right Mm -hmm. and she's been waiting her whole life that's sad yeah I was sad (laughs) like yeah I I found out from your text message and then I got on socials after that and uh yeah it was I was sad because like I said she's still producing stuff she just her last novel was like 2018 too or 2019 like that was not long ago wasn't and I if she's if if she and I'm sure she is because she's been a writer for forever she like did plays as a little girl that her and her sisters would act out but I know I have tons of like notes and things of story ideas that are like half thought out and I have to scribble them down really quick. I couldn't imagine the amount that is left unfinished for her. And I, my selfish dream is that her son will pick up everything that she's got because I know that if that was my mom, I would dedicate the rest of my life to making sure that everything she had came out because my Mm -hmm. own mother never got her GED she didn't graduate from high school you know and she I always my goal was anything that she felt like she wanted to do I would try to make happen for her like um she prefers audiobooks because reading gives her migraines and so I got a freaking subscription to this thing that has any audiobook you can think of mm-hmm. and I share that with her because I know that's something small but like I never want her to feel like she can't do something that she wants mm-hmm. you know and I just I hope and it, you know if he if he doesn't that's okay too because he's his own man with his own dreams but as a selfish little fan mm-hmm. <laughs> that's my hope you know, I was just reading this though that there are comics and manga that have been adapted from the Vampire Chronicles, and I've never seen those, and I'm very interested. 
that sounds vaguely familiar and I feel like I may have seen a manga at, at some point in my life oh wow they're they're pricey wow <laughs> I can imagine and that's another thing that I thought of I said now that she is gone there's probably going to be a stampede of people like clamoring to start reading her books and we have a magazine like we're not ones to gatekeep literature by any means and that's something I think is wonderful that maybe people who didn't know what she was like before now they'll pick up an Anne Rice book Mm -hmm. and she was not afraid to write whatever came out of her brain never mind this isn't even the manga it's some like collector's edition of the vampire Lisette oh oh it's it's 1046 nice I'm sorry I cannot but you know her writing did not exist just within this box it wasn't just Vampire Chronicles and it wasn't just Mayfair Witches. It was also, she did like Ramsey's The Damned, The Mummy, which mm-hmm. I loved. And I don't even, I don't, I'm, I've said it so many times, like everybody's probably sick of hearing it, but I'm not into romance, but the way that she does it, I eat it up. Like, it's just so, it's just so good. She also wrote under t- other names too like Anne Rampling I forget which one she did um mm. under that name but then also the beauty series yeah but yeah I never read those but um oh boy will I now <laughs> I feel like I have to read everything you know maybe we should do like a reading challenge and like try to read these together like read everything <laughs> I'm single I live in a new city I have nothing but time all I do is work so I'm into that. Um, did you ever read The Mummy? I didn't. I have it. I did get it. I bought it. I buy a lot of books with intention of having time to read and then same. Don't. And all of them are like at my mom's house. Oh yeah. But I need them. Like I I need them, especially these. I have my Vampire Chronicles collection is not complete. I want to complete it. Same. Um and the other book that I read which I really didn't expect to enjoy it as much as I did because at one point, I think when she was 15, because she grew up Catholic, mm-hmm. she was like disillusioned from the church as we are very familiar with former church kids. Blah. But so she, there was a period of her writing where she was an atheist and I feel like you can tell. And then she came back to Jesus and she wrote those two books about Jesus's life and then death and I only read the first one I only read like him growing up but it Mm -hmm. was so beautiful like it was so beautifully written and I felt like that was her like don't hate me for saying this but like her homage and the apology like dedication to Christ because she fell off and came back and Mm -hmm. and found him in a way that was special to her yeah and that feels really private you know, she had those two books and then she left the church again. And later she considered herself a secular humanist, but still had her faith because she just like disagreed with the church. I mean, and I get that. That's literally where I am mm-hmm. because, you know, not to turn this into one of them episodes, but <laughs> <laughs> most of the of this... episodes are one of them. 
I just think it's important for people to have this kind of spiritual journey where they figure out what spirituality means to them without the aggressive influence of like pastors and things like that because there are some who are good and teach about love and caring about each other and then there are some that literally demonize everything that you do everything that makes you a human being and you know I have a really hard time believing someone who abuses children anything that they have to say I have a hard time believing what they say has merit and you can argue and say not every blah 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 blah. that's not the point the point is like Catholicism is considered top tier and that's where it happens the most like mm-hmm. top tier in Christianness. Yeah. Well, like the they sh- make the rules. They make the Vatican makes the rules. How do yeah. you get to make the rules? Women don't need to be broodmares anymore. We can be treated like human beings. Humans. <laughs> and that's just not a thing that they agree with. And some like regular mm-hmm. churches even are like women can't preach or whatever but I can tie this all neatly into Anne Rice-ness so that's exactly what happened with the queen of the vampires with Akasha because you know she wanted power and she ended up being the top like head bitch in charge Mm -hmm. mama to all the vampires and um she did bad things (laughs) and like her shit was supposed to be law and she literally killed a bunch of her kids and did not give a shit and ate humans like they were fucking skittles <laughs> you sure did <laughs> you know i think that you know Anne rice would have been like such a fascinating person to talk to like just i have so many questions to ask her it's too bad that you know that's past you know all that uh, you know there's God, there's so many fans too i know the fandom is deep mm-hmm. and i um i read an interview once where she was talking about how at her signings she's the most boring person there because people come decked out dressed as vampires they're in leather lace <laughs> velvet handcuffs and she's just soaking that shit up she's like this right here is my shit i love that and I was telling my friend when I was saying why I was sad that literally all of this, the podcast, me knowing out, whatever, is because of writing, right? Mm-hmm. The magazine is all because I love to write. And um, when I was in high school, I was on the school newspaper and I wrote Anne Rice an email about how much I loved her and how much I loved her books and how much she inspired me and I just gushed a full page email and I sent it to her and I got a response that was so I wish but I was a stupid like 16 year old so obviously I didn't keep it or still have access to the email but I don't remember most of what it said it definitely encouraged me to keep writing mm-hmm. and I did and I think about it all the time literally the reason why I am right here is because of Anne Rice and I just just hope she knows or she knew when she passed away like how many lives she touched and how beautiful she is mm-hmm. for me like any writer that can get me 
mad and <laughs> obsessed and all of the, the many emotions she got out of me like what a freaking like master at what she did she's just amazing um, legendary mm-hmm and it wasn't because her writing was bad like I have no critiques like <laughs> no it's wonder it's uh-huh. wonderful the care with which she um described each one of Lestat's outfits and the way his like <laughs> golden mane and his violet eyes and his glass nails and mm-hmm. you know what she did to me oh <laughs> when Daytona Beach opened up tanger outlets and they brought all these stores I had never seen before and I rolled up and I saw a Brooks Brothers I was like those are those are those super stat wares bro a Brooks Brothers I thought she made that shit up because I'm <laughs> trash I had no idea I didn't I didn't either until you just talked that's what Anne Rice did to me <laughs> So, uh, you know, we have the two movies and we, you can go back in and we have, uh, you know, covered those two movies pretty extensively. I think uh, we we hit them on um, 31 Days of Horror the first year we did the podcast. And then we went back and did Queen of the Damned with Allie because everyone (sighs) was in love (laughs) with Aaliyah. (laughs) Rightfully so. Like that's the really like the best part of that movie because mm-hmm. you know well we, we won't <laughs> we won't get ourselves started again <laughs> but, but you know we're going to be covering that mini series when it comes out we're going to be making a um exception it's going to have to happen <laughs> yeah it has to because i literally i especially now like I am going into that show ready to fight everybody, ready mm-hmm. to fight everyone, because there, there's just so much care she's taken mm-hmm. with her plot and her characters and her world. This is Anne's world, and if they don't do it right, they're gonna catch these little tiny hands <laughs> right in the mouth. Well, you know, her son's probably still involved, and he, sure. you know, worked really close with her, so. I'm, I'm hoping for the best. I'm, you know, whatever it is, just like of all the flaws we found with the other, the other two movies, I think that we can, we both, we both have, there's value to them. We still love them. We still watch them again. So I still have them on DVD and they're Mm -hmm. never going anywhere. Mm -hmm. I just, especially now. So wherever you are listening to this, take a moment of silence for Anne Rice. I'm sad. Oh, I'm sorry. I wish I wasn't across the country and I could hug you. (laughs) Me too. But it's okay. I think that's all we've got in our pockets for this episode. Mm-hmm. So, you know, next episode we'll be back on our bullshit with uh, The Devil Made Me Do It. <laughs> I don't want him, be- him to make me do it. I don't want. Okay. okay. <laughs> Only two episodes left. We can do this. <laughs> we've got it. All righty. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at GITM Podcast. 
You can follow me on Twitter at WitchXPudding. And you can follow me at Nocturnical. Okay, bye.